Welcome to the 68th episode of the Game 4 Podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about what brings value in tabletop games. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And this is the Game 4 Podcast. Game 4 is a platform to help connect tabletop gamers and to help you get more out of your tabletop gaming. Matt and I are part of a software development design company called Milkcan. And because most of the folks at Milkcan love tabletop games, we developed the Game 4 app and launched it in early 2018. We launched this companion podcast in June 2019 to help tabletop gamers get more enjoyment out of their hobby. Due to the COVID-19 global pandemic, we hibernated the Game 4 app in July of 2020 and plan to bring back a retooled version of the app for Android, iOS, and the web when gaming in person is safer. Until then, we'll keep bringing you this podcast to help you get more out of your tabletop gaming. Have you gotten anything out of your tabletop gaming recently? Anything of value? Uh, value. Uh, not as much as I'd like. No. I, yeah, I need. Someday I'll be less busy, but. Uh, <laughs> that, I just saw one. a thing recently, uh, saying that uh, basically adulthood is saying if I can just get through this week, then everything will be and right, and then just doing that on repeat for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was like, I had all this time, but not the money to buy the, my supplies and, and stuff like that, and now. I have the money, but not the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's there was there was probably like a day in my like mid twenties that was just perfect. Where both of those things were at the same time. Yeah, no, <laughs> aligned. It's a bummer when you miss it. <laughs> I missed the memo. Yeah, yeah. But um, otherwise, what have you been? What, what, what have you got? You, you've done some things. Yeah, right? I've done yeah. some stuff. Yeah, that's so, good, that's good. so yeah, I'm still working on on trying to weather. Um, I have this. I'm I'm trying not to. I'm fighting the like. Don't want to ruin my the models mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm doing too much, but then you're like, oh, but I'm not doing enough, and sure. So that yeah, whole weathering learning is, process, weathering and, is kind of like it's a you can't overdo it, but you can also like I don't know. I I I tendency I have a tendency to err on the side of underdoing it a little bit, and then because if you overdo it, I don't know. Sometimes you can go back and fix well, even it, just the the whole like learning thing, like you're sure, like, sure. Oh, you know, like do I try it out or do I just go okay, this is good for this technique, and I'll try that ne- that other technique next, on right? A different yeah. thing, or yeah, no, that's true too. Yeah, no, well, I mean, but it's it's good to work these things out. Yeah. But yeah, so you've been and you've been weathering what like just stuff. Tanks. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. a couple tanks for. Um, I believe they're all would fall under Empire Falls. Sure. So. From uh, Gaddis Games. Gaddis Games. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what else? You could do, do anything else or? Um. So Friday. So la- this last, last week. Yep. Yes. Last week. Um, I got a gigantic box in the mail not nice. not like ogre giant box no so not like not something that won't yeah yeah that but, that you was you had to team lift right right yeah no team lift but but uh kind of uh made me think of uh gloomhaven like i'm like ooh, what have i gotten myself into oh okay sure yeah, yeah. um but i got the uh the box for my return to dark tower ooh, from restoration games the kickstarter that the restoration games yeah did. yeah the, and i posted like tweeted some pictures about it and it, Based on responses, maybe I was one of the first ones to get it. Oh, nice. Fun. It seemed like a lot of people were kind of jealous that I got it already. Yeah, yeah. Dark. So Dark Tower was a game from the 80s? Yeah, I would say, yeah, mid-late 80s. And it was a board game, but it had this like big plastic black tower that, that you would set up in the middle. You, yeah. yeah, and it had like recordings in it or yeah. something. Did it move? I don't remember. I don't think it moved yeah. at the time. Does the new one move? The new one moves, apparently, because nice. it talks about like... 
hair and loose clothing being kept away from it. And oh, right, because it like spins and moves around. Yeah, yeah. like it sounds dangerous. I don't yeah, know. that does sound dangerous. You don't wanna... <laughs> Do you have to wear safety goggles? Does it say anything? No? Do I don't, come I, with safety I, like, goggles? I used to be able to count to 10 on my fingers. No, nah, not so much. Now I played Dark Tower. Played the Return to Dark Tower. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's so, and I know because they spent a bunch of time doing a bunch of like, because they, they had like blog posts, didn't they? And their, their yeah, they were showing, all, yeah, all they the would show like videos of them like coming up with the, the electronics and mm-hmm. like testing out the different things. And like, I'm pretty sure like, like what I, I forget what I actually paid for the Kickstarter. That's how they get you with the Kickstarters. But like, I'm pretty sure that they said like MSRP is going to be like two and a half times the cost. Like, Well, I mean, and the thing is, is that as we've been seeing with Kickstarters lately, is that yeah? You might have bought that Kickstarter in 2019, and you paid this much. But right. now the people who are who would also like to buy it, who didn't get into the Kickstarter, are paying considerably more due to all the, the global shipping shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. So they're just like, hey, congratulations! You basically got this at cost. <laughs> yeah, basically, everyone else is going to have to pay a lot more. Yeah. Does it like? Is it Bluetooth? Does it go to an app? Or is yeah, it there's completely... a yeah. So there's a okay. Bluetooth. They have an app, an official app. You have to, you can connect to, um, and tons of like LED lights. So there's some semi-transparent like in the tower thing yeah that's pretty cool yeah Yeah, does it have to work with the app it seems like it has okay so it's 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 not a it's not a companion app it's not a companion it's well app dependent well i don't i don't maybe for the full experience i don't right yeah yeah kind of depends on what you mean by companion app i guess like every app is a companion app but yeah and i think that i'm guessing that if the tower didn't do something specific it's just you could make it do it, like, I suppose. Oh, oh, I could make it do it. All right. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't so yeah, I haven't got a chance to play it. I've read, started reading through the rules, and, and you like turned it on, and it turned and, it on, and, and kept made, your fingers and toes away from it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good idea. Made the kid, you know, one of my youngest kids that I like the least. And sure, yeah. Turned it on. You turn it on. I'll stand back here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, that's that's good. That's good. No, yeah, that's that's cool. I'm interested in hearing more about it because I, I remember the commercials for it back in the 80s when yeah, I was a kid. That oh, was yeah. definitely the one that I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have it. Because I remember Fireball Island, also yep. by Restoration now. Yep. I, I do remember that. I never played it when I was a kid, but I remember seeing the commercials for it. And yep. I was always like, oh, that's cool. And the Black, had, Dark had, Tower was like kind of interesting. I had Fireball Island um, as a kid. Yeah. And. And then I got it again with Restoration Games. Did you Did you have Dark Tower when you were a kid? But I did not. Oh, no, that was the one that that and like Hero Quest were the the two that were like. Oh. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are like, "Oh, I got into miniatures because of Hero Quest and stuff like that," yeah. and I never, I never played it. Yeah. And then you know they were like, "Hey, we got this new version coming out, and Hasbro and whatever, and all this stuff," and I just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot of stuff, so I don't really need it. That's the trick. Um, yeah, well, yeah. And that's yeah. I I did get a gift card uh, for my birthday nice. um, from my mom, so I could go spend money at my friendly local game store. Nice. So nice. That is on my list. I fly out tomorrow evening, so sometime in the next twenty four hours, I I'd like to go hmm. over there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Because you know I need more stuff. Right. Yeah. No. Same here. Totally. Um, yeah. Gaming. No. That's cool though. Uh, and you're flying out for work to, yep. and then, but we're planning Atlanta. as far as we, yeah, to Atlanta. And as far as we know, we're flying to Reno, Nevada in March Yes, for game four. So that'll be, yes. So maybe if you're, uh, if you're going to the Gamma Expo, maybe we'll see you there, hopefully. Um, the Gamma Expo is mainly a trade show. It's not like a convention that just randos, you know, right. random, random fun gamers go to. It's a, it's a business thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's ser- totally serious business. <laughs> Or, or whatever, and some drinking. Um, 
And buffets. And the, well, I don't know about the buffets I so know. much anymore. You know what I mean? I know, like because the last time COVID that we has went killed buffets. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, the, like in, back in town, uh, they're tearing down the um, Golden Corral buffet. Uh, I mean, and they're replacing it with uh, I think two smaller restaurants, and one of them I think is going to be Panda Express. Okay, so that's weird. I was just, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, why couldn't you guys just split the building in half? No, you got to tear it down. Okay, it's yeah. not that old. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fine. Well, uh, or are you going to get the materials? Golden Corral before. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the place is tainted, but you could salt, like <laughs> you know, make a salt circle around it, and it would probably be fine. There's not enough sage in the world. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a lot of smudges. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> hadn't thought of that. Um, that sneeze guard is. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's, it's guarded a lot of sneezes. I'll tell you what, <laughs> hazmat suits. Yeah, it looks like the, the, the like the big tubes they rolled out for ET. Oh yeah, where they cover the whole house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they should just do well. I I suppose I I guess I don't want to eat in a place where I have to enter through a tube like that. Well, that's why nobody eats there anymore. They, well, no, it's also because it's not open. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what have I done? Gosh, uh, let's see. I've oh well, I worked on my Skaven a little bit more Ooh. for Warcry. Been painting them on Twitch. Um, there's like eleven clan rats. There's a gray seer who's kind of the boss. He's the HQ unit. Uh, I have a warplock engineer. Okay, who's a rat with a gun. And then I have a, a warp fire thrower, which is two rats. One of them has like a nozzle that is kind of like a gun, and the other one has a backpack that has, I don't know, goo in it. Warp fire, I assume. Nice. And then the last one is the um, storm fiend, who's like a big robot Ooh. skaven, kind of. Huh. He's like, yeah, he's been. Part he, rat, part machine. Yeah, he's. he's they a big, have the technology. Uh, sort of. They kind of have the technology. It, it's not bad. Uh, <laughs> though the, I did drop him recently. <gasps> and so, like, he wasn't built. Well, he was built and he was textured and he was primed. Okay. And then I dropped him and his little ankles got busted off from his little feet. Uh, so I got to glue that back together. But it's, it's not too bad. Nothing okay. Nothing broke. It just, there was a glue, a glue you know. You found um, the weak spots. Exactly. Yes. It was, it was all. It was all in the name of testing, not because I dropped the box that I had him set in. Um, but yeah. Um, so that's what I've been doing on Twitch, and going to be doing that for a little bit. Well, for a good deal while longer. But uh, while I've been doing that on Twitch, uh, I've also been prepping the next thing that I'm going to paint on Twitch, which is um, Corn Bloodbound, also for Warcry. Mm-hmm. The Bloodbound. So basically, it's the models, not all of the models, but all the models that I'm doing, except for a couple, are all from the original first starter box for Age of Sigmar from back in like 2015. Oh, wow. The original yeah. starter box was these Corn Dudes versus Stormcast Eternals, which was the first place you ever saw mm-hmm. the Stormcast. And so um, I've got five Blood Warriors, which are guys in armor. There's okay. ten Blood Reavers, which are shirtless guys, which I'm not running into combat shirtless if I could get access to armor, I would well, think, but, but if whatever. You, you but know. if you're not a corn guy, though. I am not a corn guy. That's a good point. Um, so there's those 15 dudes. Then there's also uh, this one guy also from that same box, and he's called like a – it's a dumb name. Blood blood secretor, blood 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 crucianist. I don't know, something like that. just killed somebody's like dream. They're like, 
their one claim to fame is like I need coming that. up with that name or yeah. what? Oh yeah. yeah, no, that's and now they're, it's they're not great. It's a well, I you're mean, getting a letter from his mom next. Yeah, week. well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain the, the, the your problem. uncle Adam. I made a joke recently about how like so many of the names of the um, Stormcast Eternals from uh, Age of Sigmar, they all are names like like sure, there's like Liberator mm-hmm. and and stuff like that, but a lot of the names start to skew towards like what sounds like different types of lawyers. <laughs> Like there's, cause there's like a judicar. I'm like, okay, it's got the word judge in it. And then there's like, um, there's like, there's a bunch of different ones, but like some of the earliest ones are like, and now I can't think of the names, but there was at least several of them that sound like other names for lawyers. And then I'm like, okay. And so do we also have like, you know, this is, these are my Stormcast Eternal Paralegals. Like these are my, <laughs> like, and, and then someone just recently commented that was like, oh, I've been working on my, you know, Stormcast Eternal uh, court reporters and uh, getting them done. Now I can't, um, I can't think of the words now, damn it. I, anyway, but it, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely like, uh, it's not, well, there's Liberators, there's Paladins, there's Justicars, there's Judicators, there's... Persecutors or something like okay. that, or oh, prosecutors. Okay. Prosecutors. I swear to God, there's prosecutors. <laughs> okay. I think. I, maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, several of the names. Just big Law and Order fans, right? Exactly. I guess. I but just the law part, not the order part. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway. So uh, what was my point? Oh, right. So yeah, I'm working on those guys. And this weekend, I had to. Well, because they're corn, so they needed more skulls on the bases. So I glued a bunch of little skulls. Man, you know, I love using those skulls, but I probably dropped three of them. And then when you drop a skull, it's gone. Like it bounces <laughs> off my leg or off of something and then it's just gone and I can't find it. So I'm like, all right, well, I, luckily there's 340 skulls initially in this box. <laughs> so that's good. But yeah, still, it's Do you annoying. think there's anyone that's gone through that like more than one of those boxes? I own two of them. I bought a second one just in case. I haven't opened it yet, but yeah. I own it. Yeah, no. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Sam. Sam's probably cranked out a bunch of them. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but, I yeah. see that. So anyway. I mean, um, I, I'm talking about like used everyone in it. Like not some people, have, I'm sure, have bought all like, like the human the skulls or maybe they're looking for specific of the yeah. bigger ones because right. they don't give you a ton of those. That's true. But yeah, using like every, yeah, because he's Sam doing it. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I should see if I could find another one of those boxes because it wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, just to have, you know. Because he always needs skulls. You never know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so then the next step is going to be to prime those guys. And I think I'm going to also, some of them, definitely the guys, the blood warriors, the five of those guys who are mostly armor. Okay. Those guys I'm going to definitely not only prime, but also like base coat with my airbrush because they're mostly going to be in reddish armor. Okay. So I'll just do a lot of red mm. armor. Whereas the shirtless guys, I may just do a normal black and white Xenothal because mm-hmm. I don't want to paint them all to be like... I could just use like a flesh tone and paint them all, but then they would all be exactly the same color dudes. Yeah, so and fun. I'm like, well, some of those guys might be from different regions of Chaos Land right. or whatever. This, this guy, you know, and it's just more interesting to paint different flesh tones. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that's um, that anyway. So yeah, so in those situations, I think those guys I might just do because um, yeah. I thought about it. Well, I'll do them black, you know, red and then black as well, or red and dark brown. Huh. But I'm like, but they only they don't have that much red on them. Right. It's mostly yeah. flesh, Fuck and so save yeah. you any time. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then I did actually get some basement cleaning done this weekend. Uh, I got a couple of bags of stuff out of there, and I broke up some cardboard, and I moved some things around a little bit. Um, it was baby steps, but I did them, so that's good. Mm. So, yeah, not not a ton, but some, you know, some things. Nice. Um, we are still can, uh, working currently on – there haven't been any big updates to the app over the holiday 
and all that kind of stuff to, yeah. to game four. But we are in the process of prepping for, like we mentioned earlier, Gamma Trade Show, the Gamma mm-hmm. Expo, which is going to be in March at Reno, Nevada. The yep. Pepper Mill. Pepper, yep. Yeah, Pepper Mill. Yep. We were told that we weren't going back, but we, apparently we are. But this is, I think, the last year. I, think, I feel like we've said this a couple times. Yeah, now. that could be. That could be. And by last year, what I mean is that, the, in theory, Gamma is moving Louisville. the trade show to... Louisville. Louisville or Lexington? I thought it was Louisville. Well, but now you're making me question that. Yeah, I think it might be Lexington. Kentucky. It's a Kentucky area. It's in Kentucky, is the idea. So, Which is more centrally located in the country, so I guess there's something to be said for that. Um, but there's a steakhouse that we like to go to in Reno, and then yeah. we'll be sad about that. But, you know... Um, and I don't know if it's a casino like uh, the like the Pepper Mill is. Yeah, I don't. So I yeah, I mean, we would miss uh, that uh, our favorite um, our favorite uh, perfect gaming machine. If you yeah, Kitty Glitter is Kitty what glitter, it is. Yes. yes, it's got it's just this it's, it's just a slot machine, but it's called Kitty Glitter, and it says as if instead of Kitty Litter, uh, which would be a totally different machine altogether. Yeah, that would, you wouldn't want to pay out on that one. No, no, it would, you know, <laughs> not so good. But uh, yeah, it would just and it was like the last several years of going there, it was trying to fit because there's like there's so many like when you go to the casinos, there's always like oh multiples of this machine and yeah, multiples like the of this Buffalo machine. one. Oh like, right, yeah, they're all over the place. I, I swear I'd never see maybe more than like one or two people on the the Buffalo ones, but, but they're everywhere. The place is coated yeah. in them. But Kitty Glitter, they have one machine in there, and mm-hmm. it's become almost like a... Where's Waldo? Yeah, a little bit. Like, just like, Scavenger where have they, yeah. they put it this time, you know, since we were here last year? Yep. So anyway, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to see if we can go on eBay and buy one of those. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're super cheap. Yeah. I'm... Yeah, it's going to be fine. Nothing. We'll just take it. Yeah, or that's, that will fit in the luggage. It'll be fine. Yep. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so that's... Yeah, uh, yeah, we are taking ads i know that we've got a couple of people that reached out about ads so yeah we yeah are pre-selling that so yeah and the the new i mean this was the plan just before everything went all pear-shaped but uh we were working on code to because previously the ads on um game four were global global meaning you if you advertised everybody who saw game four saw the same ads right. to some degree and um, we wa- the the new feature we were adding is regional ads. Mm-hmm. So people could, let's say you're, I don't know, a friendly local game store and you want to advertise to Game 4 users who are within 50 to 100 miles or whatever right. of your store and not advertise to people in Germany or France or right. wherever. Or you're a convention and you want to get a last push. Exactly. Um, yes. To people who live nearby and stuff. That that was the the um, the newest feature. And so we're working on that as well. And that, that'll be, I think, really, I think that'll be a real big benefit to people because they'll be interested right. in being able to advertise directly to folks nearby and now yeah and the ad network will span any products we have a few products going right because the um, ads will then that the library manager will be library manager and we've got some other ideas as well so so yeah that's all that's all on its way um yeah i think it's time for our topic yes yes so the hot topic if you will I don't know if it's a hot topic. Maybe it's a hot topic. I guess among some folks it is. Uh, not the store in a mall hot topic, but yeah, you, I know what you're saying. Yeah. The uh, the concept of value. So we were talking a little bit about like what brings value to a game, and, and we've talked recently uh, here on the on, on this very podcast about mm-hmm. like indie games and how a lot of times indie games don't have the same perceived value sometimes mm-hmm. because they didn't spend a bunch of money on a really thick box that is very large that right. shows up on your front step yes you know and they didn't necessarily spend money on a cool crazy you know 
whirling dervish of a black plastic um, uh, obelisk that sits on the the middle of the mm-hmm. thing there, you know, with the like, LED lights and all that jazz. Yeah, there's artwork on the back of the game board that sits on the table. See, that's that's uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now I, I don't know why, but sure. Yeah, and that's the thing is. is that because a lot of game companies, specifically the bigger ones, they have a tendency to to do this, where like you know. Well, it's a box, and the game comes in the box, and the box's you know main point is to protect the game from you losing parts or parts getting Cheeto dust all over them, or you know that kind of stuff or whatever. But do you need to put artwork on the inside of the box? You know, like a, like it looks cool and mm-hmm. it makes the 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 game seem more polished, luxe. You know, yeah, to use yeah. a piece of slang maybe. Mm-hmm. But does that actually translate to a more fun game? Are you having a better time with it? And I think that the industry is definitely looking towards, like, we need to show value so we can charge more and more money. Right. And so we do these things that you go, oh, this... I mean, there's something to be said about um, design of a product and how it can just become something... Like, you know, Apple stuff. A lot Mm -hmm. of people like Apple stuff just because... It's just cool. It's an experience opening stuff, which is well, why, yeah. Even just opening the box, yeah. yeah. I'm talking about the products themselves, but even right. like opening like a new phone or whatever. Except I mean, for yeah. I, so I just got an AirTag for my birthday. In there. Oh, those uh, little like, yeah, the little tracky yeah. things. So if you lose your keys, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a horrible box opening experience. Well, that's weird. And I was usually pretty good. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's. Is it like horrible? Like so, you don't. So someone can't steal no, it off the shelf, kind of thing. Maybe, and there was, just, you know, and I, I'm sure there like was. It was also really hard just, to open, or what do you mean by like, terrible? There was no like. It was like rip the box open, ugly. Oh yeah. And the, and then I was like, oh, it I mean, just those, was kind of surprising. But at the same time, like yeah, those they, things are like thirty tra- bucks, right? Right. They're trying yeah. to cut down on costs, so I'm sure. sure but then, like the, my sister-in-law bought it for me that, and she got me like a little luggage. Um, a it, little fob to attach to it attach to. It. Mm-hmm. And the, that had like a little pull tab. You pulled it and the box opened up on it and huh. from this other company. And that made me go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> if I had to, re- those are like. Normally reverse. they would be the other way around. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, so that kind of thing, like what is a, what is perceived value and what is, you know, because the thing is, is that we're all also seeing, you know, prices raise because mm-hmm. of the, the, the. Uh, global shipping issue and all this and whatnot and everything. So there's that. I understand that. But value is also very subjective. Right. It's kind of like DIY network. When they show houses, they're like, if we put $20,000 into, you know, this bedroom, you're never going to get that out or you're going to get. But if you put $20,000 into a new kitchen or bathroom, it's going to be perceived as like $80,000 or something. Yeah. No, that's for sure. I mean, because I think that, yeah, definitely people have different. Like the person who spent the twenty grand, let let's say, to update their bedroom, that maybe they're real happy with it. But then, yeah, you have to also sometimes think about resale and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Sure. But, yeah, it's very subjective. There are people out there who are like, I don't care what kind of box it comes in. And right. other people who are, like, really super impressed by that and are willing to pay more because it's got cool parts or it's got a cool right. instruction, you know, that kind of stuff. So we thought we would talk a little bit about that today, sort of do a little bit of an, an, an analysis. Nothing with 
math, let's say, not that kind of analysis, just yeah. kind of a mental analysis where we look at <laughs> it. We have spreadsheets, it. everybody. Yeah, yeah, no. That's... Please turn to diagram 32. Exactly. No, it's more of a situation of just being like, you know, why do we do it the way we do it? Why do the companies produce things that way? Why do some companies not? You know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, very and what, are frequently. what are we like? Yeah, yeah. And it's very frequently about perceived value. And like I said, value doesn't always equal money either. You know, there mm-hmm. are times when you have when you value something very much, even in a free product, you know, like a, like let's say some sort of PDF. Like mm. there's a game that I've been checking out and been very interested in recently uh, called Turnip Twenty Eight, and it is a free uh, download of a uh, uh, kind of a strange kind of skirmish game, and um, has to do with turnips. And uh, <laughs> but it's a book that is like I said, it's a PDF. It's free, but um, it's there are plenty of free PDFs out there in the world, but this right. is so what? Yeah, it's really nice looking. Yeah. It does really. I mean, like they, they they spent a bunch of time on it. Now they have a Patreon, you know, so they've got. It's not just they're they're spending a ton of time and and paying artists and doing all that kind of stuff just for out of you know the because they like hearts. it. They're they're also got a Patreon, but the book is free, so you know you don't have to support the Patreon to get it, but they would like it if you would. And nice. Everything. Um, and that's a very interesting, different model than the rest of the industry. Like a lot of the industry right now is like, no, no, you pay us and then we give you a box full of stuff. And that's fine too. Don't get me wrong. That's not going to go away too much. But it is starting to not be the dominant. Well, it's still probably the dominant way, but it's not. It's a little bit less dominant. You know what I mean? Right. There are, it's not like the default. Like Exactly. Yeah. Because there are still plenty of there, – there are companies out there that are making, you know, print and play games, which we, do, we did an episode about a while back. Um it really pains me that I can't do like a pachow. I was just thinking, I'm like, it's really weird to hear you like, like you reference something, something and in not, the past yeah. and not hear the pachow right now. But you afterwards. can't, well, you can't do that in a podcast. It doesn't work. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's it's interesting to see, um, you know, like people who are, are are looking at the 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 normal tabletop gaming business model and looking at it in different ways. Um, just off the top of my head, like one page rules out of, well, I don't know where they're actually out of, to be frank. Um, but they make um, d- downloadable rule sets for tabletop wargaming. Mm-hmm. And they also have a Patreon where they will, you can then get STLs that are for their games. You can use whatever miniatures you want. They're miniatures agnostic, but they also are like, hey, we make these miniatures that will work great for this and this and this. And so you can do that, or you can buy the miniatures kind of a la carte through my mini factory. Mm-hmm. And so they're producing multiple games, multiple sets of miniatures. They're doing this all the time, but they're not shipping anything to anybody anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's right. not, it's so, it's, it's a, it, and, and it's all, basically digital and intangible so then the question becomes value again Mm -hmm. they do spend uh money obviously on they've got a a good artist i really like the art that they do and they've got a decent layout person and stuff like that but it's predominantly all black and white mostly on the inside of these books and so here's something maybe okay which of the four uh, genres and the four genres that we define here or in game four land uh are board games uh role-playing games collectible card games and tabletop war gaming miniatures okay. and such uh, whoops uh, of those four what of those four groups do you th- which of those four groups mm. do you think um i don't know if covets is the right word okay but like you know which of them is like mostly very very interested in materials like quality materials if we're going to start talking about different um, you know, the value in tabletop mm. games. 
Which I, ones are most impressed by like fancy schmancy yeah. uh, printing and pieces and packaging and weight and all right. that kind of stuff? So I would I would say mm-hmm. that if you asked me this ten years ago, mm-hmm. and again, this is not the entire genre. Not everybody who's right. interested in CCGs right, is right. like, but you know that kind of thing, right? But like ten years ago, I would have said like miniature wargaming hands down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now a days, I would say board games has has surpassed that because it's like yeah i agree they it's like they've taken like any card components are take like all the best practices from ccgs mm-hmm. um any of their miniatures are taking like the best practices from miniatures uh of gaming um oh yeah i mean like think of how many different board games these yeah. guys come with just tons of miniatures in them which are nice minis yeah you know what I mean? and yeah the sculpts are amazing when you think 10 years ago about mm-hmm. you know People were it was meeples. Everything. Yeah, it was a lot of meeples. It was pushing around cardboard chits and things and, like that. Yeah, and, and it's cubes. Cu- yeah, yeah, cubes everywhere. And now it's like, man, I don't. I don't there remember are, the last I game mean, that just had just cubes and stuff in it. Uh, what's his name? Uh, um, my friends over at uh, Board Game Geek, like Board Game Geek is producing tokens. They're like, I, I, they must be licensing. They're licensing with certain board games. Okay. That the board game ships with, let's say, cardboard tokens, mm-hmm. and they are producing acrylic tokens. Yeah. So that if you are like, well, I could just use these cardboard ones, but I want my version of the board game to be very, very fancy. And mm-hmm. then you you buy special tokens that are made out of plastic instead of cardboard that right. are designed for this particular game, and then you work. And so, like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember going by. No, I walked by their booth at one point during Gen Con this year, 2021. Mm-hmm. But the, I, when I really remember, it was 2019. Like I stopped by the booth and talked to Lincoln for quite some time, and um, and they just had people walking up in all these bins and with like Ziploc bags in them and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and you're like, oh, yeah. we, you know, here's all the tokens you need for win- wingspan, and here's all oh, the tokens oh, yeah. you need for like whatever. And just people were just buying that stuff like crazy, and they sell it through the website and everything, from what I understand. And so that's great. But like board gamers are very, very interested in that. Again, not all, but but that seems to be something like the value. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talk to I, I talk to people all the time who are like, oh, I bought this game because it looked amazing and it has like. But my question is always like, yeah, but is it is it a good game? Do you know? But like you know, and and people are are probably of different minds of that as well. Mm-hmm. But the concept behind you know printing behind um, the different pieces, like you said, miniatures or tokens and things like that, and the packaging. I mean, think about like like again going back to miniatures a little bit. Games Workshop. The codices, the codexes, depending mm-hmm. on how you want to pronounce that or whatever, because there's, you know, anyway, um, those used to be soft covers. And then in sixth or seventh edition, I think, 40K is when, and, and then after that, all, both not just for 40K, but also, you know, Age of Sigmar and all that kind yep. of stuff. Oh, yeah. They just started making everything hardcover. Right. So all of those books started getting hardcover. And so, and, and which then, you know, increases cost. And so there's that. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. It's a very interesting thing to kind of think about, like, like certain people. I am fine with getting a game in PDF because then I can carry a whole bunch of them here on my iPad, mm-hmm. and I'm cool with that. But there's, uh, I think, there's plenty of people who are like, and and we've seen this, uh, Vince and I, with our game that we released. We saw a lot of people who were very glad to be able to purchase the print version. Yeah, I was one of them. I, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and there's I, nothing. But the thing is, is that print on demand, and this is again a quality issue. Print on demand used to suck. 
Yeah. It used to be really bad. Like, if you had a print-on-demand book and you left it in your car in a hot day, it would all the pages would stick together. Oh, yeah, because yeah, the, 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 the toner would, like, refuse, kind of. <laughs> and if it was any letters that were sticking to other letters across from each other on the pages, if it got hot enough, they would stick together. So that was an issue. And plus, the covers always looked weird and kind of bumpy and janky from the different color right. layers and things like that. But all of that stuff has, quality, been, yeah. has been fixed, uh, for the most part, in, 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 in print-on-demand. And so, um, you know, yeah. But, I mean, we, we could have done a hardcover version on ours, but it would have cost... And we could have done color on the inside too, but again, it would have cost probably twice as much. Like our book cost fifteen bucks. Right. It would have cost. I kind of ran the prices. It would have cost over thirty probably to be able to put the had, same book. If you had said this is the ultimate version or the deluxe, deluxe version, version but, yeah, there definitely would have been somebody bought it. There would have been. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. And that's you know, there's nothing wrong with that. People who like again, it's just like when people are like, I really like this. You know, like we've got right here this remote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys can't see it, obviously, but there's a remote for an Apple TV because we've got the Apple TV here in the conference yeah. room, so that you can whatever share the screen and all that kind of stuff. And just it's a very little rectangle with very little in the way of mm-hmm. buttons on it, but it's kind of you know, and it's just fun. It's nice to hold, and there's a lot of dev- d- design that goes into yeah. obviously consumer products in that situation. But you're also seeing a lot of that being pushed into tabletop gaming. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't probably be super interested in playing Magic if those cards were real janky. Like if they right. were like there's like there's a decent amount of clay content in those cards, and the yep. printing is always like well not always usually pretty good. Every once in a while you get a card that's a little off, you know, here and there, right? Um, and that kind of well, stuff. Yeah, I mean, growing up, uh, like it seemed like everybody's dad had the like the poker chips that were like the cheap plastic. Oh yeah, exactly. And yeah, stuff. and nowadays thin plastic like, ones. Everybody has like the clay yep. casino style mm-hmm. poker chips. If you have poker chips, it's almost always the clay. Yeah. No, I still ve- I very very uh, strongly remember my parents had a poker set and it was like a round kind yep, of a thing round, and then it had the blue slots. and the red yep. like different and, and white I think usually yep. and maybe black as well. It might have been four colors. It might have been yeah yeah. And maybe even green. Maybe there's five colors. Anyway, but it was like this round kind of caddy, and you slid the little um, poker chips in there in columns and stuff like that. And they were ridged, so they kind of locked together right. almost. You know, like, but, like the but old they checkers, were super yeah. thin. Yeah, like old checkers, but like super crazy thin. And they were just like, oh, okay, great. But yeah, nowadays you, I don't even know if you could. Maybe you could still buy those. But most everybody uses the ones that are like in the casino, which are like clay coated in plastic yeah. or something like that. And they're heavy, and they've got that same feeling. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's no, they don't work any better. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they're still chips. They don't represent it. Any exactly. You could do this with an app. We could do this on a piece of paper, you know, right. whatever. But no, the, the chips thing is important. And so um, people dig that kind of stuff. Um, you're right. But the the colored, you know, wooden cubes, you do see that on some games these days. But on the, the big, well-known games, they're just like, yeah, we're not going to yeah. put cubes in there. Right. Yeah. And it's like a one one upmanship every time. Oh honest. yeah, or else you got meeples, but they're printed meeples. Right, like it's a meeple, but it's got artwork printed on them. Yeah, or yeah, like little yeah, faces custom and stuff for like. that. Game. Oh yeah, we'll look at um, oh what's it? Uh, later games, leader games, uh, the uh, oath and root and all that kind of mm, stuff. Like yeah, they've got little yeah. wooden meeples in the shapes of the different types of birds and cats and squirrels, and squirrels and whatnot. But they've all got little faces or like artwork printed yeah. on them as well, you know, which is, again, that makes the game cost a lot more. And so there you go. But, you know, if they made a very simple game, and I guess this is the question, and me not being much of a business person, though I am technically a business owner. Well, I a couple of businesses now. Um, 
like I guess do you do that because it triggers more people to purchase and therefore you're able to make profit even though you're having to charge more and because there's more cost to the production? You know, like if you I, if you produce a game a- like Root in predominantly all black and white and you could sell it for twenty bucks and still make a certain amount of profit, is that worse than if you make it so maybe that game I frankly don't know how much root costs, but let's say it costs seventy dollars. Right. Do you make more profit per unit when that? Or I mean, you know, you, I, I don't know. I hope so. I guess. I'm guessing, but otherwise, why would they do it? Well, again, maybe to to actually just drive sales in general. That Someone looks get, at a black and white thing and is like, yeah, I don't and to get out a good way from the noise. I mean, when there's sure. eight thousand board games released every five minutes, mm-hmm. um, you've got to make it. You know, like you said, there's people that are like, "We'll buy a game because it looks awesome." Well, that's one less person that I had to do a, a play test with. Or right, a, yeah. You don't have to demo, demo as much it. and that kind of stuff when you're just like people, when the box sells itself. Yes. I mean, it's like the same thing with you know, D&D supplements or any kind of role-playing supplement. Like if the cover's ugly, you're less likely to sell it, right. I bet, sitting just, on the shelf at the game store. Yeah, just having the the words Dungeons & Dragons makes people automatically biased. You know, uh, there's some people Sometimes, that yeah. trigger it. You know, but there are other people that will like like I've bought books. I'm not even talking about gaming. I'm talking about like novels and stuff like that. Or I've even picked up novels like at the I don't know at the library or whatever because mm-hmm. the cover was kind of cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yep. not a good reason to pick up a book. No, but how I many Netflix? Yeah. Through Netflix, oh yeah. There's times when I'm like, "Ooh, what's that?" And then I'm like, "Oh, I already watched that. They just changed the artwork up this yeah. week." Yeah, and, the thumbnail. Yeah. And then now it's it looks cooler than what the movie was. Really I mean, was. yeah, no thumbnail design is like a serious like that. There's a there's yeah. an art and a science to yes. some degree. Sometimes they it. spend more time on the thumbnail than what I think they spent on the script. Well, <laughs> maybe not on Netflix, but I, I'll tell you on YouTube, there are times oh, yeah. I come across like a thumbnail, like this thumbnail. They put more time into this than they did in the video. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I. I mean, I put I put work into my thumbnails, but I, I kind of have a like a format that I just sort of stick to and stuff, and it's fine. But I should probably look into changing it more often than I do. So, yeah, like the materials, and this is also getting into things like like we said, like artwork and sculpting and 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 layout and design. All of these things have very little to actually do with the game. Right. The game itself will probably play exactly the same. Right, exactly. If these were just like wooden cubes, black and white rules, a, a white you know cardboard box or whatever, this is exactly the same game. But good luck trying to sell that in some situations. I right. mean, like look at uh, the Game Crafter. Mm-hmm. So like the Game Crafter is a company out of Madison, and they are kind of like a print-on-demand board game company. Um, and they've been around for 20 years at least, I bet. I, yeah, if sounds not, right. Yeah, they've been around for quite some time. And when they first started out, they made everything was in a uh, – you got like a white cardboard box. And then I think there was a black and white label that you could design artwork for that they would stick to the outside of the box. Because what happens is that you upload the graphics for the cards, the graphics for the board, and the graphics for the instruction sheet and all that stuff. And they've got a bunch of different things like, oh, I can take these pawns. I can mm-hmm. take these meeples. I can take all this stuff. And you put it all in there, and they're like, this is how much it's going to cost, how much – profit do you want to make you say this and then now they put it on their website and they say this game costs sixty dollars right and so you know you do all the artwork and do all the stuff and whatever and then people come and look through the website and they go oh, okay i want to try that game out and they pay the 60 bucks and then it now gets printed on demand mm-hmm. why they call it that and then it gets all packaged up and then sent off well as the years have gone by 
they don't do the white clamshell box anymore. They now are wrapping artwork around a normal like two half box like you do with um, normal board games. Right. Like they've got tuck boxes that the cards go in. Like the cards are all nice, you know, rounded corners and full color. And they've got nice fancy boards. And they just keep spending more and more money to put more and more quality in there. Yep. And it's great, but... For print-on-demand, it can make a game with a lot of different components and boards and all right. that stuff really expensive. They, yeah, they might have, you know, a print-on-demand game might have been expensive at $15 before. It's, you probably can't touch one for $15. For most. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, like, for no, well, it depends, I guess, a little bit. There have been some popular games that have come out of that system. Um, there's a game called Let's Roll, which is a dice-throwing game yeah. that, was, that got picked up by Calliope Games. But from what I understand, it first started on GameCrafter. Mm-hmm. But it was literally a box with... X amount of dice in it and some cards. That makes sense, yeah. You know, so there wasn't a ton of stuff there. It was six-siders that were in certain colors and then some cards. But, you know, the version that I own that sometimes I play with uh, my wife and and the in-laws from Calliope comes in a fancy metal box, you know, Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's what happens a lot of times. When you are – when you're doing print-on-demand – the issue, it's great for the, the, the manufacturer because there's basically very little in the way of upfront cost. Right. But when you are doing print-on-demand, then you don't get the economy of scale. So, like, yeah, like when when, a, when, a, when when you make one of something every time that someone requests it, you don't get as much profit. Whereas when you make 10,000 of them in a factory someplace and they get shipped all over the world and blah, blah, blah. Right. Then you get cheaper per unit, but... Mm, you might have a, a warehouse... With exactly. Yeah, you've got a garage full. Uh, you know, and that happens to a yeah. lot of people, and too. And then there's, you know, landfills filled with ETs. Yeah, which is totally... I had that game on the, on the 20... I did, too. Did you? You had it on the 2600 yeah. as well? Yeah. yeah. Oh. No, I had the original ET. And, and I, I also had... Um, I thought it was just me. Like, I was like, I don't understand this game. I'm so <laughs> frustrated with it. It wasn't until years later that I'm like... Oh, oh it nobody wasn't understood me. that. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> what was the other one that I had too that was also really super frustrated? Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, see, Ghostbusters was mine that I, I absolutely just like. There was like a part of like the, it would happen, and like they they, they made it seem like you had to do something, but I could never. Oh yeah, no, I, I never just, played that one. I would I play it for a while, one. and then when I would get to that one part, I would lose. Yeah, no. And there was no way back then to like go. This is total look it up total sign. Yeah, you couldn't go look it up on the internet and be like, "Oh, this is the walkthrough." Yeah, you just have like the dial-up numbers if you're really lucky for some of the popular games. Yeah, like, like Nintendo did that. Zork did that. Like there was one of the Zork games, you could do that. Yeah, it was it like, like you call somebody and they'd tell you dollar ninety nine for the first minute. Right. Yeah, not for free. Sure. Yeah. So that's, I guess, a value add as well, potentially. I, well, maybe not so much. But anyway, um, so the, the quality materials, the quality of um, artwork, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, these are all visual things. Well, not all visual. Sometimes it's tactile. Yeah, tactile, yeah, good yeah. point. Um, but all of that stuff is stuff that has a cost to it, a mm-hmm. direct physical cost. And, you know, and but it also makes it so that maybe you're more interested in playing a game because it's got a great looking set of artwork going on on the mm-hmm. cover and the inside and the cards whereas if they over the you know the game could be literally exactly the same game but if the artwork wasn't very good then people would be less likely to be It'd interested be hard to sell exactly so. exactly but then there's things that are not necessarily like uh, some people will still say this is art not visual art but it's still art and I understand mm-hmm. that but it's a lot less about for the most part, about like, hey, we are paying for fancier equipment. We're paying for fancier, you know, miniatures or dice. And that's getting into like lore and story. And mm-hmm. this doesn't relate to necessarily all four genres. 
I don't think. Like, I don't know that there's anybody who's playing mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering because of the lore. Uh, I, I mean, would oh, say because probably somebody. of, but there's, I mean, like, their latest, uh, one of their latest expansions that mm-hmm. did the whole, like, fairy tales thing. Yeah. Like, I almost went and bought a whole box just because I was like, that's so cool and I want to read all yeah, the Yeah, they've been doing, stuff. like, a bunch of, like, licensing crossovers and stuff like yeah, that, you so, know, with, like, I don't know, Godzilla and The Walking Dead and 40K yeah, and so a bunch I mean, of, yeah. No, I mean, that's a different story, but I mean, like... Uh, yeah, story. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but there are. I mean, yeah. Sir, and I'm pretty sure there have been Magic the Gathering novels. Oh yeah, there has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember buying the very first one. That, but I don't know if somebody started reading the novels and be like, "Boy, I should play this game." I don't know. Maybe, uh, but I don't think that's their main. I think that honestly, what they're doing is they're like, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, really. We're making novels with the hopes that people who like the game will buy the novels. I don't right. know that they're using it the other way around. We're like, I hope yeah, people find these not novels. Like a into it, but it could right. be. Yeah, it I could mean, be. Yeah, certainly. There could be some people that are into fantasy and then got into the planeswalkers. And sure, like, oh. yeah, yeah. But there are definitely people who are into, and again, board games not so much, but definitely people who are into RPGs because of the story oh, and the lore. I, I, and definitely people are into games like grade, Warhammer. Grade you know what 5, I, mean? I, I read the Dragonlance oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. books, and that's... That got me into D and D. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the, like I said, there are people out there who are already gamers who are like, I'm interested in this, but I'm really interested in the stories about all the right. people doing the thing and the whatnot and the stabbing. And yeah, all I that. I remember like uh, probably around junior high, early mm-hmm. high school. It was right when they started announcing the prequels for Star Wars. Sure. And had friends that were like, Oh, Boba Fett, and they had like all this knowledge about Boba Fett. I'm like, man. I don't remember that in the movie yeah, at all. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. It, it took me forever for some reason to realize that they read them in the books to sure. understand it better. I was oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And 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 the thing is, is that obviously there are plenty of games out there who, that have no story, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that people do also assign value to that. Like, you know, again, going back to the game design that I've most recently done, we had a couple of pages of a very simple story to kind of explain the world. But, um, you know, I've seen also skirmish games like ours that have had two dozen pages of story. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I feel like that's going overboard sometimes, which is why we went kind of light on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are plenty of people out there that are that are very, very invested in a game because, you know, they like the they like the actual artwork. They love the, the feel of the hardcover book and all that yeah. stuff. But they're also super interested in the lore. But then, like I said, there's also... Plenty of role-playing games out there that... No, maybe plenty is a strong word. I'm sure there's role-playing games out there that have literally no lore because they're just like, you come up with the lore. Yeah. Your job. You know what I mean? But most of them... Have some kind of a... Yeah, have a story. Why or what or setting, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And and I think that that is a big value proposition, uh, value add, really, Mm -hmm. to a lot of people. You know, like I said, there are plenty of folks out there who really only interact with, let's say, again, Warhammer as an example, only through the lore. Mm-hmm. Like they don't play, they don't paint or build or anything like that, but they yeah. just love the lore. And so books get sold and, and there you go. Yep. Um, but yeah, and I think that some people also, again, look at certain products and again, not everything. Board games, you don't expect there to be, you know, 20 pages of story behind this board game. No, you sit down and play this board But sometimes when you're game. like, oh, this is an interesting concept and then to hear like a story of why, like yeah. what, where, where, what is this world? What are yeah. the rules oh, yeah. of this world? I mean, in the early 90s, uh, when I was in college, like 91 or 92, somewhere in there, uh, my friend Peter was like, hey, I want to I show you this game. It's really fun. We should play it. And it's called uh, Space Hulk. And it was, I mean, it's a, it's a, 
it's a board game slash miniatures game. I would call it a gateway game between board game mm-hmm. and uh, and it's made by Games Workshop. And it's you're you've got these cardboard tiles and you're moving your terminators through the the spaceship and you're blowing up um, gene stealers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea at the time what any of these things were. But even though it had like a skinny little you know thin uh, instruction manual that was all in black and white in pages where they had like didn't have anything going on or they only had stuff that stopped like halfway down the page and they would fill in the rest with like stories about the emperor and stories yeah. about the space marines and like where like what is space marines day was like and stuff like that and I read through that stuff and I was like this stuff is so crazy whoa mm. and then you know that's how I got to where I am now maybe at least so um, sometimes I think there's some. There's some value, I think, honestly, to the publishers in those situations. If you can come up with a good story, you can set that hook to some degree. You know right. what I mean? So there's that. But, yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I think that the, there are plenty of people out there. I mean, do you think that Pokemon is popular as a is a card game, a collectible card game, mm-hmm. because of the story? Or does the story – because the, the video games came before the collectible card game. I think. I'm pretty sure that the original Game Boy version of of, of Pokemon came before, before the, the card game, I think. Hmm. Boy, we should have checked that out. Well, that was a bold <laughs> statement you put out there. I, yeah, but I, I just don't yeah, know if people be. are playing it because of the... I mean, obviously, I have a suspicion people well, are playing it the because they... The cartoon was around that time. I mean, yeah, I know the, the cartoon, cartoon was in the after. 90s. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that built it out to where people... Yeah, and that's and that's a thing, is that, like, I think if that exact same card game came out, but there had never been a video game and there had never been a cartoon, I don't know that it would have pulled as many players as it did. Isn't that kind of... What's the, uh, what's the other kind of popular uh, CCG? Yu-Gi-Oh? Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh had a, a comic or a, cart- or a cartoon. Right, but it didn't have a video game, and no. Well, I mean, I think there's maybe. been some. Oh, yeah, there's there been video games, I, but I don't know if the video, if the card game came out with Yu-Gi-Oh before the cartoon, right? I'm just, or so I'm at the same time, I was trying to kind of compare those two to yeah. see, like, is Pokemon more popular because of all of the world building that was done at the same time? Well, and that's the question too: Are people playing it because it is a value of them? Is there is the value to the player? The game, or is the value to the player? Well, I like the experience, Pikachu's and yeah. and, and, and Charmander's well, and whatnot. I, see, because I, I name, like the video game, and because I, I like the cartoon, it, I can name Pokemon. I couldn't name one Yu-Gi-Oh character. Uh, one guy's name is um, Randy. I have no idea. I actually, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know anything <laughs> about Yu-Gi-Oh. I remember seeing a but cartoon I think, like, of it one time. Knows Pikachu. Well, sure. Yeah, he's more. There was a years ago. There was like a thing where they like asked people all over the world, and like the most recognizable character was the Michelin man. Huh? Like, cause they were asking people like, you know, yeah, is that, yeah the, Michael Jordan was supposedly the, the most famous, like, sure. Person. But like, as far as like, ca- like cartoon characters, yeah. advertising characters, like drawn characters, yeah. like you could show a bunch of people from all over different parts of the world. And yeah. everyone's like, Oh, Hey, Michelin man, you know? And then that was, that, that's, yeah. that's weird. I don't know. Maybe Pokemon's on that list now. Maybe or Pikachu. I mean, he's on that list. Well, is, do they even use the Michelin man anymore? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, like, I think he's still an icon or, like, a logo almost, but I don't know I've seen him in a commercial a long time. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, there's no value to the Michelin Man. That's not not true. That's not true. I mean, I wouldn't play a Michelin Man game, though. I'll tell you that. Because the lore doesn't really grab me. Kind of bounces you away. Oh, well. Wow. Um, 
So anyway, yeah, all that kind of stuff, uh, that lore, that thing, you know, there's a lot to be said about, like, there are certain games that don't require it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, would Does every game need uh, lore to add more value to the people who are interested in buying Not it? Always, I don't think so, no. One of the things that I found that really helps with lore for me is sometimes it explains weird rules. It helps me remember that. If people are making the rules follow thematic thematically, yeah. yes, they, they, I agree. You can go, oh well, the reason why this happens is because in this world, it's, sure, this is how this works. So exactly. that's why they have this rule. Exactly, like that. You know, we we followed along, like in in Rain and Hell. Again, as an example, you have these things called soul dice. When you um, kill a character, there is a die that mm-hmm. then goes to the person or the the other demon that killed that that other demon. So like if I kill, uh, whether it's one of yours or I can even kill technically one of my own, yeah. I get this die. And then the mechanic behind that die is I can use it later to move faster or I can use it to replace a role, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Right. And so there's benefit to that. But if you were just like, oh yeah, well, when you killed this thing, then you get a die that you can do this or this with. And then you'd be like, why? And you're like, and the, the, the reason is because, well, because it's the soul energy that you took from yeah, these guys and they're right. messing around. And they're like, oh, okay. So yeah, there's, there's a benefit in that situation. I mean, there's no lore to checkers or chess. I mean, a little bit, there are more to chess than checkers, right. I would say, but really not much. Um, but you know, like why does the Bishop only move diagonally? It's not in the story. Hmm. Deep thoughts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so all of that stuff I think is interesting, but you had kind of mentioned about rules, Mm -hmm. and I think that sometimes rules get overlooked, but I think that for me personally, I think there's a lot of value in the rules. Oh, yeah. Rules can make or break a game. Absolutely. And they should. And But it's it's astounding to me. I got to be honest. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. It's (laughs) astounding to me the people who are like, I don't care about the rules. All I care about is the quality of the stuff, the artwork, the story, all that kind of stuff. And the rules are like, eh, kind of secondary. And I'm like, I really want the rules to be good. And it depends on... I, I mean, you know, it depends. It board game. Um, I think with role playing, because things are kind of amorphous, that rules are not as important because the DM can just go off on a bender and just be like, "This is what we're doing it, and we're how we're doing it." Right. You know, it's all in the name of having fun. But yeah. with miniatures and things like that, specifically for wargaming, like I, you know, if a, if a game has very little in the way of lore or production value or whatever, but the rules are really tight and fun to play, then I'm much more interested in that than playing a game that's just got a cool story. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And but that's it, not everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there's, you've got the the ones that are like, will look for every little caveat of the rules and like the wording and like, oh, yeah, oh they sure. have. You get your rules lawyers. Your, yes. Your prosecutors. Your lawyer, your rules prosecutors. Uh, paralegals. Yes. Um. So that kind of stuff, I think, for, and again, all of these things are subjective, but things that you might mm-hmm. want to think about. And not just for if you're like, let's say, designing a game. Right. I think these are important for that too. But I think they're also important for you to look at. Sometimes there's a situation where you're like, you've got a big pile of games that are super pretty, but mm-hmm. they're no fun to play. And mm-hmm. maybe that's because you're focusing a little bit too much on you know, the visuals and the the materials right. as opposed to like watching reviews or battle reports or playthroughs or whatever mm-hmm. and going, oh, wow, that 
does not sound fun, or that is not a thing that I'm interested right. in. So that but it's real pretty. Is horrible. Exactly. Exactly. And again, those things are even subjective to some degree. Right. I mean, there are there are objectively broken rules, certainly. But there's also rules that are like, I think this rule is dumb, and or it doesn't. I don't enjoy playing the game in this fashion. And there are other yeah. people who love it for right. the exact there, same like, reason. I have I I have some friends that if there's like any kind of randomness in a game, sure. That, that that game is absolutely horrible to them. Right, right. And there's other people that are the exact opposite, and they just want to have fun. And yeah. like the whole like gambling, taking a chance mm-hmm. is the fun part for them. Yeah, no, I I love kind of randomness in in a lot of different types of games. I, I dig that. Like if the game is completely random, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But if there's no randomness in it, then I'm not super excited. But I, I think I, there's, it a, there's a level. On what the perceived objective is for me, like if it, if the game is about like your strategy and you have to form a strategy and you're trying to like guide your troops mm-hmm. in, into something and you're sure, then I kind of feel like you want to have you know as l- less random as possible to make me so that. But, but there's still going to be missed around, shots. Oh, there's, there's still going to be, be. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There's going to be some random elements that yeah. do it, but. But the perceived value is like chess, like chess for mm-hmm. you know, like there's basically no randomness in chess. I don't think. Yeah, there's not as no. far as I. Can. I do you, you don't roll off to see who's white, do you? Nope. No, you do. How do you do that? You just pick. I don't know, but yeah, like I, that's I literally the, the only choice is that what, what color you are because white always goes first, I believe. Yes. Yeah, we watched. Um, my wife and I watched uh, Queen's, Queen's Gambit. Gambit. Sure. Yeah. 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 You pick your hand or. Oh something. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of random. Yeah. 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 So. But outside of that, outside like, of once that. you get started, you yeah. know, then it's very set. So then you can have grandmasters because exactly they there's you know no randomness. Right now, when you take a game, let's go the other end of the spectrum and say, bar dice. I don't know. That's just that, the only that game I can think closer. of. There's just all yeah, dice. yeah. Like <laughs> shut the box. <laughs> sure, right. Yeah, there's yeah. No, you know there is some strategy there, but for the most part, it's a lot of luck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so you know th- that kind of stuff is definitely, I think, also a value proposition about the rules because there are different people that like different types of rules, and and that can add add or subtract value from you know, the game and, and whether you're interested in purchasing it or playing it or, or playing it again, mm. replayability is also very important to some folks. Right. Yeah. The number of board game people I've talked to, they're like, oh, I played that. I, I own that game. Like, oh, you, do you like that game? Well, we only played it once or we haven't played it yet. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. No, is absolutely. astoundingly high. Yeah. No, absolutely. The board game, board game uh, people and, and, and it's, and it's partially, it's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's their fault. Don't get me wrong. No, because I there's just the so hand, many board a, games that have come. I out. have a lot of games that I have only painted the sure. miniatures, sure, or I've got the game but I haven't even <laughs> put them together yet. Now they're, they're well, yeah, but now to be fair, you the, the the trick is I think is that you are at least already experiencing the game by sitting down and building and painting. So you're already doing something. It's not just sitting on the shelf. You're moving in that direction. True, but I couldn't tell you if the rules are any good. Sure, sure, but. With that's the one thing about, in my opinion, with tabletop wargaming is it's not just gaming. It's also very frequently the hobby portion of it. Now, as well. if I get like okay, so I got all these miniatures right. in my Dark Tower. There's miniatures in Dark Tower too. Yeah, the, oh, your, the no main kidding. characters are actual miniatures. Oh wow, wow! So if I paint those up, yeah, does that mean I've experienced part of the game? 
Some of it, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. if they give you miniatures and then you spend time to paint them. Now, if you decide you don't want to paint them, well, that's fine too. Right. But you, then you haven't really done much yet on the game, which I, at least, again, this is personal opinion. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Replayability to some people is key and, and therefore has a lot of value. Mm-hmm. And I know that there were a lot of people who initially, I think, hemmed and hawed at like Risk Legacy. Yes. Because like, they were like, well, I can only ever play it 15 times technically right. and then the board will be all used up. And you're like, when was the last time you played a board game that was 15 times and they're like well but i could but i could yeah no and they're and like, that's well, true you could still play this just now it's a custom game right like, or just go buy a new one uh, it's not that expensive of a game yeah. frankly so you, you know yeah. you've got those options right but um you know there are some folks because there are some games that also you play it once and now you've learned the maybe not even the trick to it but maybe there was like a mystery or a twist mm. that's why games like um uh return a house on the hill no what's the heck the house on the hill house game? on the Honda hill no, so, Betrayal on the Betrayal House. on House of the Hill, that's it. Um, like that one is so, it's got so many different possibilities for missions yeah, and things like that. Yeah, and there's some and the that are randomness, and... Not even randomness, but like, because like you're just picking those tiles off for each room, so it might be quick that something happens and then it's a new thing, or it might take yeah. a long time, or like there's all kinds of different things. And that game's got tons and tons and tons of replayability, but mm-hmm. not every game is like that. And so for some people, definitely that's like, if they're like, if this is not a replayable game, then I'm not interested. Right, like because like time stories, that is one time and done. Sure, yeah. And the, so Which is why expansion. they have zillions of expansions. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, all of these different features are things that are going to bring value uh, to tabletop games. And the value that you take from them, obviously, is variable because everyone values different things uh, differently, I guess. Does that sound um, like a like a competent um, uh, 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 co- like competent words? I'm, yes, I'm a super good words person. Um, a sound theory, sure. That's yeah. I guess it's a, definitely a sound theory. Uh, so you know, I think that if the main thing that you might take away from this podcast, hopefully, is the ability to kind of maybe analyze like why you buy the games or why you like the games that you do, and maybe it will help you to steer clear of games that are very flashy, but maybe you aren't actually going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it will also help you to determine, you know what, I really like games that look really super cool, and I like having yeah. them around and putting it, them on my shelf, and there's nothing wrong with that either. It's helped me to understand which games I pull the trigger on and Kickstarter now. Yeah. Because it used to be like, oh, well, this looks really cool. Well, the FOMO, I'm gonna, too. I'm going to push. Yeah, yeah, because the FOMO on Kickstarter, push. too, because you're just like, oh, I got to get it. Yeah, get, and, you know. and then now I'm kind of like, Hmm. Now there's so many high quality games on Kickstarter that right. I'm like, oh, you know, like before it was like I, when they first started doing like 3D uh, uh, prints, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. STLs. It was like I have to buy them all because. Sure. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a new one every day. If I oh, yeah, sell on this yeah. cool model, there'll be another cool model tomorrow. Yeah. No, so. I agree. So yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, like they, because of the growth of the gaming industry, we just keep seeing more and more stuff, and so we do need to make I think generally a little bit, or at least analyze the value judgments that we make when deciding to buy or not buy games. And I uh, I don't know. I just thought it would be a good concept for to or a uh, uh, thing, or whatever, uh, a good um, subject for today's yes. podcast. Hopefully, you value our opinions. Indeed. Hopefully, you valued what you've heard uh, here on the podcast. I, I, I hope that you have. Uh, let us know uh, if, you, if you do. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Game 4 Podcast. If you've got questions or comments and you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below. If you're listening via your favorite podcast player or just aren't into the whole YouTube comment section thing, then you can feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at imgame4.com. 
You can also keep up to date with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website at www.iamgame4.com. That is www.iamgameforcom Thanks. Thanks.